sister podcast radio about native american food i'm in my kitchen today making salmon dip for some sailor boy pilot bread crackers and these kind of crackers are like really big giant saltine crackers that's exactly what they taste like and um, they're really popular in alaska uh, so i was looking around to see what kind of maybe like um a dip or some kind of topping for these crackers. So I asked an Alaska native chef. Her name is Anna Sattler. She is Yupik and she gave me this recipe for what she says is an easy peasy salmon dip. So it calls for some smoked salmon, which took me a while to find here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. But I got some and it smells exactly like bacon when you open it up. Uh, a little bit of sour cream, uh, cream cheese, a little bit of mayonnaise, dill, chives, lemon, and some kind of chili. She just kind of opened it up and said, oh, any kind of chili would be fine. So since we are in the Southwest, of course, I'm going to green chili. Let me put this cream cheese in here. All right, cream cheese is in there. Let me get this lemon. Squeeze that in there. Already smells really, really good. And then I have these, this fresh dill here. Take that, big stems off, chop this up. All right. Those little noises you hear back there are these cats. I am babysitting two cats, <laughs> and one of these cats is mine. So they already smell this salmon. They already want it. And let's put in a little bit of chives here. All right. And Okay, where was I? Yes, uh, Anna Sattler is Yupik from Alaska. Um, she is uh, starting a, like a TV show and it's called um, Anna's Alaska Off the Eaten Path and it looks really, really cool. So I'll put some links on this podcast on the website so you can see like a trailer, uh, like an example of what she's trying to do, but it's pretty cool. It's focusing on... Um, food and um, Alaska Native culture so it looks pretty good already let me get some mayonnaise in here all right well I am gonna mix this up and I will get back to you and and, and let you know what this all tastes like after this episode here but right now here's the interview with Anna Sattler from Alaska 
So I recently came into some pilot bread, and I thought I'd ask you why it's so popular in Alaska. So um, can you just tell me what is pilot bread, and how did how did it become this like Alaskan native staple food? <laughs> well, that's so funny. Right. You know, I don't know how it came about, but I know that it used to be called hardtack. In most of Alaska, because, you know, if you split Alaska in two or um, almost into thirds, Texas would be the second or third largest state. Alaska is super, super huge. So anytime you have to travel, and there's very little road system. So even now, everything is either barge during season when the water is, you know, water and not ice, or it's flown in on large jets into the hubs, and then single-engine airplanes bring them from the large hub communities out to the smaller villages. So where I'm from in western Alaska, it's the Chalista region, there are 56 communities, and our hub is Bethel. You know, you can have 50 to, you know, 1,500 people living in these communities. In the, in the hub, there's about 6,500, 7,000 people, so really small. So way back when, when there was hardly ever any airplanes or there weren't any runways, we relied sometimes on airplanes, but mostly everything was barged in. And so one of the things that was barged in was this hardtack, and it's like a gigantic cracker, well, it is a gigantic cracker. It doors well. I mean, it, it's around forever. And several years ago, about a decade or two ago, the company that makes pilot bread, we heard, was going out of business. There's such high demand. Alaska and Hawaiians are the largest consumers of pilot bread. They mostly sell just to their primary market is Alaska and Hawaiians, but Alaskans especially. It is a staple. Everybody has a stack or a box of pilot bread on their kitchen table or in their kitchen somewhere. And it's good for everything. It's good. And it's even great as an, as a little light snack or, you know, waiting on dinner or whatever, throw some smoked salmon on there or even cheese and melt it, you know, in the microwave or just, you know, butter, eat it by itself. It tastes so good. I understand that a lot of um, Indian, lower 48 Indian reservations um, have have it more readily available. And so the next time I go to Arizona, I'm going to check out the, the, the one store that one of my friends down there told me about just to make sure. Because growing up, when we would drive up and down the Alcan, mm-hmm. um, we would look everywhere, Montana, Colorado, Nebraska, um, Wyoming looking for looking for pilot bread in every single store and we could never figure out why we couldn't find it because it's you know on every shelf in every single store and every like little convenience store gas station here in Alaska. Yeah, that that's what I heard about it. Um you know one, one of my friends he brought some back the last time he went back to Alaska and um I just wanted to uh you know save a couple of crackers so I could try um some kind of recipe because 
because we were uh, we were just eating it like just out of the box. You know, we tried one just by itself, just plain. And I thought, well, this is like a big saltine cracker, like a monster saltine <laughs> cracker. And then, you know, putting jam and butter on it. And then um, I actually ate it to like scoop up some chicken korma that I had made. You know, I like to make a lot of like Middle Eastern food. And that's when I was eating it with um, here in the office because that's that's uh, that's where we had this box sitting for for a while. So I have a few <laughs> crackers, and um, later in this podcast, I will talk about um, this dip that uh, the recipe you gave me is um, like a, a salmon dip. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about this recipe? Um, looks like it has you know mayonnaise, sour cream, some some uh, salmon. I mean, explain it a little bit, and uh, where would be where would uh, people be eating dip like this in Alaska? You, you'd be taking it to a potluck. You'd just have it on the table for for snacks, for, you know, you'd have it over for Super Bowl Sunday, or you would just have it every day. Your Oscar um, party. Yeah, always. <laughs> okay. and, and people love it with everything. Fresh bread, pilot bread. I mean, it doesn't matter. I think that salmon dip is also one of the staples. Salmon's, I mean, you know, is a staple anyway. Mm-hmm. And there's so many ways that you can make it. But real basic is just a little bit of mayo, sour cream, or cream cheese. I love it with cream cheese because it just makes everything stick together so nicely. Some people put breadcrumbs in it, you know, whatever kinds of spices that you want. And then I always like to add something a little bit spicy. My family grew um, horseradish, and so I always have a big jar of of horseradish in the refrigerator. And so I always throw a scoop of that in. But if I don't, I just put in rooster sauce or sriracha or whatever it's called and or anything spicy just Mm. to add a little tiny bit of a kick or I'll or I'll add um jalapenos or serrano peppers whatever it might be and pickles I mean anything goes it's sort of like the paella of Spain or the goulash of you know yesteryear in the United (laughs) States you can't really make it taste bad it goes so well with everything you know, when you think about uh, food in Alaska, um, you think a lot about you know, salmon, uh, game animals like uh, moose and caribou, and then even like, uh, you know, sea mammals like seal and and um, walrus and, and whale. Um, but, you know, this recipe, it it's more like uh, contemporary because, you know, you have a little bit of mayonnaise, you have a little bit of hot sauce, you have uh, some dill and chives and everything. Um, but can you kind of explain what traditional Alaska native foods are? Is it just the proteins or, uh, you know, ex- explain a little bit of that, paint a picture, I guess. Sure. Well, you know, for tens of thousands of years, all of us across the whole planet would go and harvest sea mammals and, and land mammals and you know, collect greens. Alaskan, rural Alaskans, and especially indigenous people, um, are unique in that we still do that today, and it's a major part of our diet. It's almost like it's a part of us, our, our spirituality. When, you, when you're away from it, even for a week, you go down to D.C. or somewhere on the East Coast, and you just start craving 
you know, some of the soul food. And, and like you said, it's everything from from whale, and that could, there's de- several different kinds. Um, beluga is really good. Ugaruk, which is, I believe Ugaruk in the English term, it's not seal, bearded seal, excuse me, seal, walrus, all the fish, all the salmon. But we have a lot of white fish here, too. Some of it's white she fish, um, flounder, lush. Um, and then we have a bunch of small fish like um, tomcods and um, smelts and those kinds of things. Traditionally, they've always been dried, and we still do that today. There are some fish that we just dry out in the plain open, and then there's some fish that is partly dried and then finished off with a really light smoke, similar to how you would prepare kippered salmon, but you dry the salmon first so that it has a really nice hard crust, and then you're finishing it off, finishing off preserving it. It's making me salivate even thinking about it. <laughs> Finish off preserving it by mm-hmm. smoking it, and then it's completely dry, or you just finish it halfway so that it's hard on the outside and still raw on the inside. And you take that, it's called gramasso. You take that and you can can it, preserve it for a long time, or just freeze it and then boil it and enjoy it that way. But we also collect all kinds of berries. Every single month is a different season to collect something. We collect all kinds of greens in the springtime when they're nice and young. But there are a lot of greens that we can collect all throughout the year. Like, I don't know the scientific names for them. There's potatoes and cucumbers and wild asparagus and and wild, like they look like chives. I'm trying to find a lot of the English terms that, you know, most of your viewership will will relate to. Mm. And then small um, budding leaves. There's tons and tons of beech greens and some of them you know taste like peas or some of them taste like arugula they have really really you know sort of a a tangy spicy flavor and then some of them are very very sweet and you would use those sweet things sort of like stevia is or or sugar and incorporate that into like a dessert, like agurak, which is more commonly referred to as Eskimo ice cream. But, Mm. you know, it's just something a little sweet with really good berries. You know, a long time ago, things were dried in order to preserve them or salted. And that's how we still do them today. We just enjoy modern conveniences like pressure cookers and canning machines and you know, to save them that way so that, I mean, I have two gigantic upright freezers. They're always packed full of everything that we eat all the time. We render seal fat into oil. There's, you know, restaurants where you can get like three-day-old bread um, that you dip into olive oil. Tastes really, you know, just enhances the flavor like salsa is to dishes or ketchup. Seal oil adds a huge amount of flavor to whatever you're whatever you're eating, and that's you know it could be ptarmigan or or spruce grouse or you know ducks or geese or swans or whatever, or or it could be fish. And everyone always has a couple quarts of seal oil to make sure that 
you're rounding out your your um, dinner table. Uh, kind of like uh, people here, we have um, baking grease uh, sitting around somewhere. Sometimes, uh, not me personally. I don't. I don't really like the taste of bacon. Um, but but yeah, I mean, how how much would uh, you know a package of bacon cost in Alaska? I know that's um, uh, part of the issue too. Is is affording some of these foods that have to be flown in, and, and you know the prices are are pretty pretty crazy up there. I mean. How much would like a package of bacon be? I mean, really good question because here in Anchorage, our prices are really similar to what you would pay in the lower 48. Mm. However, if you're having to fly it to a small village that's 880 miles away at the top of the earth, like in Barrow or Kaktovik or somewhere up there, you're going to be, you know, quadrupling and sometimes even, you know, paying more for for a product. And that's a lot of the reason why I believe our culture is still intact that way. A gallon of milk, even in Bethel, which is a large hub, is $11. Milk is more expensive than a gallon of gas. So everything is really expensive. So bacon, you know, you could pay $20, $30, $40 for, you know, a regular um, you know, turkey could could be fifty, sixty dollars depending on where you are. So yeah, so we eat a lot of subsistence food. Mm-hmm. I live in Anchorage, and so you know, I can go to Costco and pick up a bunch of groceries. But when you're living in Guishluk or Bethel or any place else, your primary source of protein day to day, whether you know it's T-bones or 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 ribeyes or or even ground meat is caribou or moose or muskox or something like that, because that is pretty much all you have. And um, Alaska Native people, they have uh, unique relationships with the land in terms of uh, subsistence hunting, right? I mean, there there are uh, not not treaties exactly, but a lot of uh, hunting rights and um, issues that get kind of pop up every now and then when it comes to land and uh, natural resources and everything. Um, but what, what are what are people talking about lately in terms of those those hunting rights? those subsistence hunting rights. Yeah, you know, and I'm not a real expert, so um, I will try to answer your question, but subsistence okay. and commercial or, or um, sport hunting are very, very different um, terms. And oftentimes you'll find that Alaska Natives have a hard time with calling anything like subsistence sport hunting. They don't because it's not for sport. It is for absolute survival. There's no other way that we could live or and eat and sustain ourselves because subsistence also means that we're that we'll have fur available to sell or to make into crafts. And that that is, you know, a lot of people's source of income. We're very rich that way. So a lot of ivory, a lot of, you know, fur, um, dolls, all, you know, in a very small community, if you were to fly, say, to here, um, to Unicleet, and then to Shaktulik, you would find at the community building that you were at three or four or five different people that came up to you wanting to sell you their arts and crafts. That's you know, one of the main sources of money. So subsistence 
is being able to use the entire animal. So it's very mm-hmm. different than sport hunting. It's not just for the antlers or, you know, it's not just for, you know, a couple pieces of flesh on the, on a fillet of salmon. We eat the entire thing and we use the entire thing. Um, in yesteryear, um, even the salmon skin or the seal intestines or, you know, the fur, they were used to make clothing, bones and tusks and, you know, other things were made into weapons or into your kitchen utensils or, you know, those kinds of things. And that's often one of the things that, you know, when people come to visit is that it surprises them because really nothing, nothing is wasted from the bones to everything. And we're so happy that, you know, nowadays that's something that's pretty popular. More and more and more people are hunting and, you know, growing things themselves and going green and, you know, all of that. It's a huge, you know, it's, you hear about it all over the news and Facebook we just do it as a way of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you're living in Anchorage, and um, in an email, uh, you mentioned uh, urban uh, Nukalpia. Nukalpak. Nukalpak. Tell me about that <laughs> that term. There. It's just it's just an affectionate term that mm-hmm. a couple people have um, dubbed me. It just means hunter gatherer provider. Um, because you know, provider in for Alaska Natives is very different than than um, say the dominant race. Being a provider in one culture means you know something totally different. One in one culture, it's you know how many zeros you have at the end of your um, you know your in your salary. How many how many big a square foot of house you have? Um, your you know what kind of label is on your car? That's sort of your idea of success and being a provider and taking care of your family. But in in our time, and actually even still today, I mean that's one of the one of the things that we deal with all the time is that our definition of provider means that you know you're hunting and gathering and providing um, enough furs and food to feed your family and your extended family and elders um, in the community. All right. And, uh, you know, that definitely comes through in your show, um, Anna's Alaska, Off the Eaten Path. Uh, Can you tell me about that show? You know, it's not off the ground yet, but I have produced um, several Mm. videos and I have a couple more coming out. But Anna's Alaska Off the Eaten Path is is a, sh- a show TV show concept that I'm working on to okay. pitch to major networks that would highlight rural Alaskans, not the reality TV show kind of Alaskans, but real Alaskans in everyday life. Some of the things that we struggle with socially, um, you know, where we are now, where we've come from and where we're going in the future. Mm. Um, I know that this isn't, you know really rosy, but oftentimes people describe Alaska Natives as walking in two worlds. And then sometimes people describe it as stumbling in both. Mm. And I want to be able to talk about and highlight those kinds of things. You know, unfortunately, we suffer from some of the highest national distinctions of suicide and um, sexual abuse and, and, you know, some not good things. 
And I want to be able to talk about some of the reasons why so that we can, you know, be better as a, as a group, be healthier, whatever that definition is. And I don't think that it's the dominant race definition because I think that our educational values, traditional educational values and um, education is equally and often t- and more important than Western education. But the reality is, is that we live in 2018 and we live in a cash economy now. We have to take it upon ourselves to make sure that we're successful because as it is, you know, there, there are some struggles. I don't want to paint, you know, such a wide brush that that's all that there is because that isn't what my family is. That isn't my experience. We're very close-knit. We take care of each other. The way that we take care of our elders is, I mean, it gives me goosebumps even thinking about it, even telling you about it, because we really take care of each other. But I want to be able to highlight all of the positives, because, you know, it's oftentimes, and I'm sure you know this, natives everywhere are often you know, viewed negatively, there's a stigma that maybe, you know, we have a a jug of alcohol with us or we're standing on a street corner. That isn't the Alaska Natives that I know. Um, You know, I have a sister who was in the state legislature for 10 years. I have, you know, family that are really successful in both worlds. And that the Alaska and the Alaskans that I want to showcase. And then I also want to showcase our food and give some modern twist to it because Maybe not everybody would want aged whale or or aged, um, you know, walrus flipper, but whale meat is actually really good. You know, it, it takes on the flavor of whatever you're cooking with, similar to, you know, like halibut or tofu. It's super, super healthy. Um, caribou and moose are the, you know, the same way. I want to be able to celebrate it because I want Alaska Natives to celebrate us, but I really want to celebrate us and celebrate us to the world. Awesome. So where can people find more information about uh, the show that you're trying to build here? I'm on Facebook. Um, Like I said, I'm very new here. So Facebook, Anna's Alaska. We're working on a website. There's videos available on, on my Facebook page. And also I have a couple of videos on YouTube, Anna's Alaska. But like I said, you're not going to find a whole lot. But I hope that you come and follow Anna's Alaska and and watch some of the new um, episodes that I have coming out. There's there'll be two. Cool! I can't wait to see those. Uh, yeah, I saw like the the you know couple of videos that are on YouTube right now, and I thought, oh my goodness, where, when is she coming out with the next one? When is she coming out with another one? I haven't heard from <laughs> you know Anna in a long time, <laughs> and I'm I'm glad this is uh, getting somewhere. Um, you know, we, we were emailing um, back and forth to set up this uh, interview here, and you mentioned, you know, different kinds of foods that, uh, you know, you eat in Alaska. And I don't know if this was a typo or not, but she said uh, even mouse food. Um, was, yeah. what, what, is, what is that? <laughs> so mouse food are these little tubers, okay. um, plants and, and little like nuts and other things that mice collect. Oh, okay. And we, I know it's mouse food, seriously. And so we go and raid their cash in the fall time. And we always leave some for them, of course. But uh-huh. you wash it and 
it's basically all of the same greens that we um, collect, you know, a little bit aged, a little bit dry. They're super, super good. Yeah. So, like, you, you found you find a, a mouse house or a hole or something and, and go there and, and take their stash? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is yeah. awesome. I mean, what, what, what is a, how can you tell you're coming upon a mouse's stash? Um, it's just a little mound. Oh, okay. um, it just looks a little, well, I mean, tundra is all sort of, it's all a mound. Um, mm-hmm. Little, you know, mounds all over the place. But, I mean, you can always tell, like, when you step on it, it's a little bit softer. pretty sure this is stirred well enough. This is the salmon dip that Anna Sattler gave to me. I'm gonna put some on this cracker. I think the the green chili is just the right chili for this dip here. You got like the smoky, almost like bacony flavor of the salmon, the nice cool, you know, nice clean salmon taste. You got the roasted green chili. Mmm. Wow. Anna, I know you're listening. This is so good. I'm gonna just eat this all by myself and try to fight these cuties off. Mmm. I'm gonna post this um, recipe online. There's no real like measurements. You kind of just eyeball everything, but those are the basic ingredients. Um, I'm gonna get me another cracker here, but Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Toasted Sister. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict. And uh, if you want to support this podcast, please go to ToastedSisterPodcast.com. There is a donate button there. You can donate any amount. And there are uh, still a whole bunch of Toasted Sister tumblers for sale. So if you want a, a nice like coffee cup, you can go and get it there.